it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Scott Bonner. Welcome to a State of Mind studio, Scott, how are you? Good, thanks. We're going to be talking about the upcoming fixture, Celtic against Rangers. You have a great insight into another challenger in Hibs and uh, you're a long-time Hibs fan so we'll be speaking to you about your thoughts on Jack Ross, John Potter and the current Hibs side because of course... Hibs have already faced Rangers and he's a faced Celtic. And you can give us your views on the upcoming game, Scott. Uh, the headlines have been uh, more or less all about the players that are going to be missing. That's what's dominated the headlines this week. And at the moment, we've got four casualties of COVID at Celtic Park. Near Beaton and his countryman El Hamid, uh, as well as Odson, Eduard and Ryan Christie, all appear to be out. I know that uh, Eduard 
will be back on Friday, but I don't know if it would be a good idea to throw him into the action. Um, if anything, Scott, I reckon he'll be on the bench. If you're a footballer and you've not played for a couple of weeks, would you probably uh, be better off sitting on the bench if you've had this illness? I would suggest, if anything, it'll be a substitute appearance for Edward. I put him on for the last half hour, but he's no the most mobile of players as it is, I would say, being a Hibs fan looking in. Um, so if he's had that illness, then that could affect his his performance, I would say, if you were putting him on for the start. I think so. I, I've been looking at the, the strikers. It's one of the biggest concerns, uh, hence the, the leading headline, uh, do Griffiths and Julien start for Celtic? Because at the minute, although Celtic have got four strikers who are all scoring goals, um you know, at the moment, Klamala's probably the fittest of the four. He's mm. the guy that, um, if you're looking at match fitness, he's got it in abundance. Eduard uh, was struggling a wee bit before international duty, and then, of course, um, he um, tested positive, so he is currently ill and won't be going through the normal training regime. And then you've got Ayeti, who's been injured. He's coming back from injury. And then Griffiths, who hasn't uh, been injured as such, but he's only got 20 minutes a first-team action over and above a friendly game and a bounce game against Motherwell. So the big question is, you know, you're, you're talking there about Eduard getting the last half hour. I don't think that's a bad shout. Do we get um, Griffiths on to start or do you give Clamalla with his legs the first half hour? Um, as a footballer again, Scott, you know, give all three of them half an hour. You know, give a Yeti half an hour. Um, it's very unusual to see anybody, um, you know, starting a game and being pulled off before half time but under the circumstances I would give Klamala the, the first half see how he gets uh, gets on and maybe look at, at Griffiths to come on in the second half I don't know if Edward will be fit Even for me something like Griffiths he, he plays on the adrenaline of the game so <clears throat> I don't know if the fitness in that would be as crucial as something like Griffiths in a game like that because I think he's got that enthusiasm and he plays it like he's still a bairn and Griffiths is a goal scorer for me. So if you get somebody up there that's got a day, look at the running for him, play two up front maybe, and then Griffiths playing off him. The big thing again is the two up front. It's not something that uh, Neil Lennon always utilises, Scott, and much to the frustration to, of a lot of the, the fans. But in a game like this, I can see him going with one up front. And um, the big question would be who, probably with someone like El Yunusi playing off him and then the big I the think, other big I, question I think playing with the one up front against Rangers you're letting their full backs into the game their full backs uh, and, that, that's and that's a big that's danger a big, a big part of them and then obviously we can't so um, maybe with two wider players that pins their full backs back uh, that, and then that would allow not so much running for if you've got all these strikers that have got illnesses or if they're coming back for injury so, maybe so two wide players that cheat a bit just stay high mm -hmm. stay wider and then keeping Tavernier, is that the Bar is that Barisic, Barisic left uh, back. Then that will suit the pin name back. That that would suit me because I, I I mean I would identify them and it's not because I know what I'm talking about. I think quite obviously they're two of Rangers' best players, Scott. And then you've got obviously the the Affer referenced Kent and perhaps Haji as well to look out for if they're if they're fit. Mm -hmm. But you could nullify the two fullbacks, couldn't you? Mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, with Rimpong, the question is on the left is. Um, 
you know, is, has Taylor, who's been starting most of the games for Celtic, has he got the ability going forward? We know that Laxalt has. We've not seen him in the flesh, but obviously looking at how he's performed for his country and for his previous clubs in Italy, he's certainly got that ability to, to go down the left. It wouldn't surprise me if that was Neil Lennon's game plan. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a Hibs fan. And uh, we welcome you onto the show, Scott. What's your memories of Lenny when he was in charge of Hibs? What kind of style of play um, did Hibs utilise whilst Lenny was in charge? Well, I thought, I, I thought Lennon done well at Hibs. He gave us a bit of, a bit of steel as well, um, a bit of grit in the team. They, they played football, there was a lot of good, they signed a few good players. Uh, I enjoyed watching Hibs when Lennon was there. Another big thing that always catches my eye and my interest as well, Scott, is the amount of hibbies that go off the rails, right? And I, I mean that in the best possible way because we've had a few of them at Celtic Park. Uh, players like Derek Riordan and uh, Anthony Stokes seems to be the latest addition to that list. But you've also had guys like Gary O'Connor and various others down the years. What is it with Hibs players that just seem to, you know, their potential... Is not, is not fulfilled. Guys like Stokesy and um, O'Connor and Riordan, what is it about Hibs? Is there something in the water down in Leith? Um, to be fair, it might even be, see when they're coming through in the youth level, mm-hmm. if they're not getting picked up on their attitudes, because it's maybe if Hibs, like if Celtic or Rangers, like a Riordan or that when they're younger, so they maybe let them, let their boundaries be that wee bit further out. Um in their attitude so then that comes through when they get into the like getting them all like all this money like two three grand when they're young laddies and it maybe affects them whereas I think if you worked on the mental side and their attitude when they're younger coming through the academies you've maybe not got as many of these problems mm-hmm. um, and I think money's a big thing to do with that when you're throwing them two three thousand pound a week and then it just snowballs and they're maybe still Seeing people for the areas that they were for when they were younger and things like that, and then it ends up becoming a drinking culture and whatever it is, and they maybe go off the rails that way. Because for me, Riordan's one of the best players that Hibs have had for, I don't know, decades. Yeah. He could have been an exceptional player. I remember Absolutely. being at a game against Kilmarnock, um, and he scored a hat trick, and I was actually sitting there and I said to myself, Hibs are on the verge of creating a team here that could actually win the league. Mm-hmm. And that was not long before Rod Petrie decided to dismantle it for. Millions of pounds and set us back again. Eh? Mm. Like we were on the verge of something there. If that's just backed, Mowbray gave him a couple of million pounds, maybe got a couple of other players and got other young laddies on longer contracts, but typical Hibs of it the other way. Eh? You know, looking at it from a Celtic perspective, you do sometimes see a burgeoning uh, group of youngsters coming through mm-hmm. or a team, Scott, elsewhere that seems as though they might do something. You remember back, uh, dare I say, the heart side under Burley, it looked mm-hmm. as though they could have done something. And then somebody interferes and starts breaking it up. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're looking at the Hibs players, the other one, and we'll go back to this later on in the conversation, once we, we chat to some of the comments coming through, your Scottish Cup winning side in 2016, a couple of the big players there had the Celtic connections, obviously, so did the manager, Stubbsy. Uh, but we had Henderson and Stokes. And again, going back to your point you made about Riordan, I, you know, watching Stokes, most of the games he played for Celtic, actually, I thought that was a talent, Anthony Stokes. What do you do with a guy like that who's in his early 30s and it looks as though he's going to be lost to the, certainly the top flight game? Is there any way you can get into his psyche? Is it too late for somebody I like Stokes? It's too late for some of them. They're just setting their eyes of maybe not got that burning desire inside them to do what they were doing when they were 20, 21. Mm. Um, I think they're setting their ways. 
Stokes, like, even when he, the Scottish Cup game, I think that was the best game he played for a few months, to be fair. With right. Him. I don't get me wrong, he's a legend. He's won the Scottish Cup for the Hibs, but he hadn't played well for weeks and weeks before that. Mm. And then he turned it on in the, well, in the game that mattered. Eh? But I think he was already on that slippery slope. Right. Yeah. Even at that time. So, mm-hmm. what was that, four years ago? So he's in his late 20s. Yeah. He's always had sort of problems with managers, eh? He does. Like even Discipline. at was it Sunderland as well. It was. Uh, it was the same sort of thing. The that was was Roy Keane not his manager? Maybe. <laughs> so he was. A, he had the same sort of problems then when he was younger. Yeah. So he's always had that in his makeup, and then obviously as the years go on, the, the managers are maybe not putting up with it as much because hey? obviously he's then a, a senior player. Right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he can lead some youngsters uh, uh, astray as well. But uh, it's unfortunate. Another two. Uh, not that this is going to be a hip state of mind today, Scott, but the other two players that I'll speak about are, of course, two very important parts of the Celtics uh, side on Saturday, hopefully. Scott Brown and Lee Griffiths. What was your memories of a young Bruni at Easter Road? Oh, totally different player from what you see him now, obviously, but he was direct, fast, tenacious, um, scored goals. You could tell at a young age, even at, I think it was a Scottish Cup game we played, St Mun. He was about 17, and he was a leader even then, mm. um, dragging the team forward and everything. And like you were saying earlier, like, so I think the best teams are um, always based on youth if they're coming through. <clears throat> so Celtic, in my memory, has always had Celtic players like your mixed days and everything. I think that, like Scottish football is maybe losing that a bit. Yeah. Um, it's good that Hibs are wet and boating us, but I think Jack Ross is doing well there, so... Years ago, would Nisbet have ended up at Parkhead? I think he would have. I mean, you think of like your Murdoch McLeod's, David Provins, I can't, it's like years gone by, but Celtic were always notorious for buying players like that. But and I was doing it like a, obviously we've been involved in football and that as well, with kids football and everything, but in 1989 or something, if you like, they reckon that, like, or 86 and 89 before the World Cups, so like, the majority of players were all Scottish, the yes. of the team. Yeah. And that's when we used to qualify for all these tournaments and then introduce pro youth and then the influx of all the foreign players and that. And then since since uh, France, we've never qualified for anything and gradually that number got less. So mm. if you look at the Celtic team for the 80s, Aberdeen, Rangers, Dundee United, they're all Scottish players. Absolutely. But now we're frightened to go and buy these young laddies for the lower leagues because it, like we've got to go and spend £5 million or Hibs have got to go and get somebody for another country. It's a good point. It's a very good point. There is an abundance of talent in these leagues, but we don't look at it anymore. No, you're right. I mean, you, you mentioned Murdo McLeod there, and I do remember reading that at that time, uh, when Celtic were interested in McLeod, the, the striker uh, at Dumbarton at the time was Graham Sharp, who obviously went on to Everton uh, in right? great success. And Celtic were interested in a pair of them. Mm-hmm. But the thinking at that time, because it was Billy McNeil who was in charge by then, 1978-79 season, um, just before my time, Scott, mm-hmm. uh, was that there's no way you could buy two players from a lower league club and for both of them to be a success. Mm-hmm. That was the thinking. So we went for McLeod and it was an excellent signing. But you're right, we, we were constantly doing that, plucking players out. Look and I think... Aberdeen with St Mun, Billy Stark and everything. Mm-hmm. Peter Weir, Scanlon, like, all good players. Mm-hmm. Like, but we... And they were all coming through. They were like, there was like I've heard you on your shows before, like about reserve football and that. But there's nowhere for the young laddies to. No. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's a big bottleneck. Mm-hmm. And we're just... Although we've got a bigger talent underneath, there's nobody for all that talent to go. And everybody's scared to give them a, like, a run in the first team. And if they do, they get five games or so, or six games, and they've got to really produce in the games, eh? But then Absolutely. There's, there's no... And the, the, there is even more talent now, I think, than there was... Back then, that's what and I then find interesting. They had all the players doing England as well. Yeah. So you had the Scottish players on the Scotland Scottish teams like Celtic Rangers. They were all predominantly Scottish players, and then you had the modern and the big clubs in England. Just about so every big club. I know. They, 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 uh, what What saddens me? What I find really interesting is what you said there about the youth players are there. Mm-hmm. The talent is there, and you're going back to when you played, and obviously you progressed to Hibs yourself as a youngster. So you've seen it, and you can compare your kind of era to the current era because you're involved in youth football so the talent's there and it's about getting them from the kind of youth game into the first team and that's that's where we fall down big time isn't it? Massive but I think a lot of it's fear like they're frightened to put them in like they'll wait till they're 22 and then start getting them again by the time they're 22 they should have about 100 games under their belt if they're going to be good enough You you see a lot of players getting freed from Celtic Park even this kind of pre-season Scott where You'll see a, t- uh, a tweet coming out from the guy saying, you know, 13 great years at Celtic. The boy's 21. <laughs> he maybe never played a first team game. That's astonishing, isn't it? And I mean, How long does it take you to recognise the fact that he's not going to be good enough? It's a shame for the player. Uh-huh. There's a huge investment, obviously, by the class, a huge investment by the club. But they're doing that but so that they either get a ready-made player at the end of it or they can sell them on like that they have done in the past and in the more recent kind of past with, with Tierney. But I find it fascinating. The other Celtic player I did mention there, and I was delighted to see him coming back against St. Johnson, was Lee Griffiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, prolific uh, player at Easter Road. How do Hibs fans look back on his time with Hibs? Oh, it was brilliant at Hibs. Um, scored goals at anyone. It's the way he, he hits the ball early. He's, as I say, he's early. I think he's got that. Enthusiasm for football He's just I know like he's, He gets some bad publicity And everything But he just loves the game His mouth's just getting Misdirected or something like, But he's a I think he's a great player mm-hmm. I'd get him back in the team If it was me And he's not a bad guy Is he really he's Scott? Not, he'll not be a bad guy no. I mean he maybe just makes Bad decisions eh, But I'm sure a lot of people Have done that we've, we've all done it Do you see a time Maybe nearer the end But probably a lot of people Would say uh, Earlier on this season It might have happened That Griff Will go back to Easter Road Maybe finish his career At Hibs You just think this Romantic vision of him He's a big hippie Celtic fans know that And then that's fine Because he's never Let the club down Whilst he's been on the park mm-hmm. For sure uh, For Celtic Is that something That Hibs fans would uh, Would accept And would they welcome him back? Well I would welcome him back even if it was for a season. Mm-hmm. Would they fit into how Jack Ross plays? Jack Ross seems to like a, a working team as well. You're only getting on many 34 or 35 years, Scott. I mean, you know, there's a few years to go yet. Even just like the nostalgia, like got him back and finished his career at Easter Road. Eh? But I think um, with the players, that, like Jack Ross seems to have a certain type of player that he likes to bring in. Mm. I mean, you even see it with uh, Hibs fans on... Like they're complaining the way that we're playing, if you like, but what's it? Jack Ross has been there for eight months, so he's got to get a foundation first and then move forward. And I think the lad in Isbitt's a cracking player. In fact, an excellent if he keeps going the way he is, I can't see us keeping him for long, to be honest with you. 
Well, I remember speaking um, to some of my Dunfermline contacts last season and they were talking about, there was talk of him perhaps going to Dundee United at that stage right. and they were talking two, three hundred grand. Obviously, that's it's big money for Dunfermline, a club like the Pars, especially when you're looking at where we are now. I think the biggest, the, the key to, to his success this season is the way that Jack Ross has bought. He's brought in five players, all from Scottish football, Scott. Mm-hmm. And they've all kicked on, they're doing well. You've had the opportunity to see Rangers two each at Easter Road, Celtic three nothing at Celtic Park. If you look at the two teams as opponents, mm-hmm. um, how do you see the two of them? Who's the strongest, and how do you reckon this Saturday's game is going to go? I think a big danger for Celtic's Kent. I feel had Celtic got the legs in the middle of the park to deal with. That's what I, like was it a two one game at Parkhead last year? Yeah, I thought Brown McGregor they were like. Couldn't cope with him. Just his directness and everything. I just think the legs are um, skillful as well. But and then obviously with the two fullbacks bombing forward as well. So I think that could be a danger. But um, Celtic have got good players and know how to win these games as well mm. when it matters. Eh? So um, like any old firm derby, it could go anyway. I think it's getting closer as the years going. Well. At Celtic State of Mind, what we try and do is be as balanced as possible, Scott. And uh, we have said that all week that, you know, since Gerard started to put his team together, they've been a much tougher nut to crack, absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, the last 10 months since that defeat um, in December at Celtic Park's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. This fixture's been a long time coming back round for Celtic because, um, I mean, when you're thinking of the, the actual lockdown, um, you know, we had just gone up to Celtic Park to pick up our tickets for Ibrox that week. We're looking forward to that fixture. It didn't happen. And it's come around, you know, there's been a lot happened in the, in the interim period. Do I think Celtic have got a better squad? Absolutely. Will the four players missing, if Edward is indeed missing, um, prove to be a, a pivotal factor in the, the final result? Potentially. Because I look at the four players, I look at Beaton, Edward, Christie, and El Hamid. And my starting lineup certainly would have had two of them. Edward and Christie would have been in there. Probably not Beaton or El Hamid. But do you throw in Julien for his first start since uh, we played Ross County way back on the 12th of September? So he's had a one month layoff as well, Scott. He had a back injury. He's getting thrown right back in there. Uh, that could be a risk, but it's all we've got at the moment. We've no other cover there for. If we play with, with three to back, will that force Neil Lennon to play with a, f- a flat back four? I don't think so. Going back to what you said about their full backs, we need to nullify their threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's have a look at some of the points coming through from uh, a state of mind, a Celtic state of mind's followers. Now, Stephen Forbes is commenting on YouTube with the challenging build up Celtic are having um, to the derby, our rivals will be growing more confident. Uh, we can inflict a psychological impact with a convincing win, Griff to score and Julian to start. I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting when we see Neil Lennon's uh, lineup. Sometimes at Celtic, he can throw in a surprise. Was he like that when he was at Easter Road, Scott, where someone would get thrown into the starting lineup that you weren't expecting to see? And I'm thinking that someone could possibly be Kamala this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, even Kamala in, in behind, eh? he makes. Intelligent runs, I think. He's got a bit of pace about him. But I just think... I don't know. If, if Griffiths is back in the fold, eh, that, like, to me, a player like Griffiths, this is like, set for him to come back if he has a negative press and everything. He yep. goes and gets a couple of goals and 
gets all the fans back on side and everything. It's just type of, it's a, it's a it's the type of thing that happened to somebody like Griffiths with the careers that they have and he would thrive and what he ran with the words back down people's throats. That's what I think. That that's the way I would be looking at me to motivate him. Well, he's got that something to prove got, again, uh, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Neil Lennon will be looking at that. I, I've said on this podcast many times before I think Lennon actually is a very good man manager I know that there's there's all the, always this criticism about managers being relics or dinosaurs or um, tactically inept I don't think Lenny has any of these things I actually think he doesn't get the credit that he deserves I mean last season was his season I think what we're now seeing is um, the development of Neil Lennon's Celtic side mark two um, you know he's brought in six players in the oh. transfer window so he's starting to develop his own team. He's putting his mark down on that team. And slowly but surely we're seeing more and more of Brennan Rodgers' players leaving the side. There's a few that you don't want to leave the side, be be that McGregor or Brown and Edward, of course. And Griffiths was a Neil Lennon signing first time round. So this is very much looking like a Neil Lennon side. Now, John Newlands um, states that we still have a strong side with at least three informed strikers two attacking wing-backs with a defensive left-sided if needed, strong midfield, um, just lulling them into a false sense of hope. Well, John, I've been looking at, obviously, um, Celtic fans' views on social media, as I do all week, um, you know, leading up to our bulletins. It's good to get a good sense of how Celtic fans are feeling. And on one side, on one end, end of the scale, we've got people who are probably a wee bit like me, actually, who are a bit cautious in the fact that we've got four first-teamers out at the moment. We're only on Tuesday. So we've got a few days to go before then and we've got more international football to be played um, and I'm hoping the squad isn't ravaged anymore because I'm already on version three in my team lineup. And then on the other end of the scale, you've got people, Scott, who are so confident that it doesn't matter even that we've got four players out. I just think, I I don't think Celtic will be that complacent. I don't think Neil Lennon will be that complacent. He knows the challenge that we face on Saturday now. I've been criticised this season for saying that that um, Hibs are pushing to be Scotland's number two team. And that's only right because obviously Rangers are only pushing to be Scotland's number one team. So um, Hibs are pushing to be the second force. I certainly reckon they'll be in the top three this season. Scott, do you reckon there will be silverware for the first time since 2016? Well, <clears throat> there's always that chance to try to win a cup. But... Um but being a Hibs fan, like we could go and play Rangers or Celtic at Easter Road and get a good result. It's a it's a game the week after that if we have to go to St Mun mm-hmm. and the crowds maybe down to four and a half thousand and we kinda get motivated or it's a midweek game and you come away and you get beat three nothing and you're like, How's that even it's not even like the, the team's unrecognisable for the one that you just watched at Easter Road. Yeah. So that's been a it's a mindset I think like that kills not just Hibs but most teams in Scotland so that they can get up for the big games when the crowd's there and at Tynecastle, Easter Road, if you like, Pataudry and everything. It's the wee games that really matter. Um, going to St Johnston, especially if you're a Hibs fan. Like there's only three, 4,000 there, mm-hmm. 5,000. So can the players get up for that? And that's how I admire what Jack Ross has done. And now a lot of Hibs fans are complaining about the style of football, but they're gone and they're winning games of football. That's the main thing. And they're gone like after they've drew two of the Rangers have went forward up with another victory, whereas... We would have maybe have lost that game, but so they can go and fight for second place. But as if Jack Ross can keep continuing to change that mentality, and I think even like with the Rangers Celtic game, just thinking there, this is probably the biggest Rangers Celtic game 
for a long, long time. Just with what everyone's at stake this season. You're absolutely right. Um, You're absolutely for decades, right. To be honest with you. Well, you've got the obviously the big one. It's mm-hmm. ten in a row. Celtic are going for ten in a row. And in my lifetime, I've only been on the other side of that, trying to stop 10 in a row um, back in 97, 98. So it is, it's a, a massive fixture in any case. But then you add into the mix the fact that um, there is no guarantee that the season is going to end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's frightening in itself, but it's become normal for us to talk like that, Scott. Mm-hmm. You know, never in my lifetime um, have I ever thought, well, the season might not finish due to X, Y and Z but we're now in a situation where that might be the case and because of that you need to be in pole position they might be looking at average points um, etc so all of these things need to be taken into consideration and then adding into that as well the fact that um, they are an improved side based on what Steven Gerrard's done compared to his predecessors because previous to that I was going into every uh, Celtic Rangers game for a spell where you're you're asking how much. There was a couple of occasions, you know, the the high-scoring games, the 5-1 games, where we really could have put them to the sword. And I mean, big time, 7-8-9, we were completely... Um, you know. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Dominating them in, in games like that And in many ways I wish we had Because you know that doesn't happen all that often With one of your, your nearest challengers does it And I remember um, the times where Celtic were on the wrong side of 5-1s and 4-1s In the late 80s So you've always got to enjoy these these victories when, when they come around I don't think there's going to be anything like that on Saturday. And again, sometimes you get a freak result. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 6-2 game, if we're going back to Martin O'Neill's um, era, and uh, I realise that there'll be people going on um, a Celtic state of mind saying it's a different fixture. I'm referring to games against clubs playing out the Ibrox here. So uh, the 6-2 game, you know, you see Celtic coming up against a really, really strong Rangers side at that time and completely annihilating them mm-hmm. and a big part of that was down to the fact that we won individual battles Scott so we Bobby Petter mm-hmm. had his best game in a, in a Celtic jersey and he nullified the threat of Rickson mm-hmm. at that time so I think there's some similarities but there's not there's not going to be as many goals um, as, as we've seen in some of the high scoring games and I've, I've predicted 2 nothing for Celtic uh, I certainly don't think um, it's going to be a particularly high scoring game now you've mentioned already about the fans that is another added element to this game and the fact that there are no fans for the first time in um, this fixture's uh, history there are no fans at the game sometimes people can feed on that I know that players maybe like Scott Brown can feed on it uh, for and against you know you've seen it up at Patoja where the fans are on them or at Tynecastle and it just motivates them even further mm-hmm. I think Griffiths is in that that boat as well that if fans are on top of them it actually motivates them um, how big a factor do you think that will be? I, I don't think for a minute that there's nobody on that pitch will will be struggling for motivation. But how big a factor will it be on the game? The fact that no one's in there to watch it. It might make it a better game. Like no, it's hundred mile an hour, mm-hmm. and everybody's blood and guts. Aye, like they might 
take that wee bit of pressure off a wee bit with just the, the crowd not being there so it could be it might even I don't know you're saying that it might be less goals it might be make it more goals mm. um, and I think no in a game like that once they're over that white line it's going to be Rangers v Celtic yeah, to be fair as well so mm. I think like it could, it could end up like a better game to be honest a wee bit more camera on the ball because the fans will naturally like create their emotions in you so if that's not happening round about you you might be a wee bit more relaxed to make better decisions on the ball if you like so it could be a really good game yep it's an interesting one because I have heard all the way through the years my first ever Celtic game that I went to against Rangers was in the jungle and I just remember um, looking over when they scored and that pandemonium through the, the rain mm-hmm. and that atmosphere and the noise and the decibel level and you know you can you can see that injecting um, energy into players uh-huh. and you can see it demoralising players mm-hmm. and you can also see it over the years uh, determining certain decisions made by officials and all of these different things that the fans actually bring to the game, Scott. It's going to be very unusual. But we will be watching the game from a State of Mind Studios here and we'll be covering it before, during and after uh, with our special guests who will be announced at some point this week. We do have another special guest actually coming onto the show tomorrow. Uh, due to the COVID restrictions, he can't travel up. But Johnny Owen will be joining us on a Celtic State of Mind. You'll remember, if you're a long-time listener to the show, Johnny was on a couple of years ago talking about various things uh, Celtic-related back then. And since then, he has gone ahead and made uh, a documentary about three pioneers uh, world football. And they all came from Scotland, one of them being Jock Steen, of course. And he hinted in the original interview that he might do something like that. Then the book arrived... And now we've got the film. So Johnny's going to come on uh, live tomorrow at two o'clock. I'm really looking forward to that film. There's been loads of buzz created online about it. So if you want to ask Johnny any questions, um, fire away. And obviously, um, you know, we did speak to him previously about his love of football. He's made some brilliant documentaries in the past on Brian Clough and Nottingham Forest, um, as well as the Welsh national side. So I'm really looking forward to that. And he will be joining us at two o'clock. Um, he'll be dialing in. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Joe Porter on YouTube. This Celtic COVID crisis actually reveals what a fantastic squad Celtic have this season. Absolutely, Joe. Do you think, does anybody think that Lenny's going to throw someone in unexpectedly? Uh, can there be any player more unexpected uh, to appear than maybe Klamala? Will, will he throw in something that we're not expecting? Will he give Laxalt his debut uh, in a match against Rangers? These are all the different considerations. Does Julian go straight in? Does he start with Griffiths? We've certainly got the players. And another player who made his first appearance of the season against St Johnston is Tommy Rodgick, who seems to do well against Rangers. As a manager, Scott, when you're looking at the opposition team, some people seem to do, some players seem to do well against certain teams. Does that come in at your thinking as a manager when you're selecting your side? Mm, not so much myself, but even when I played it, like, there's certain teams that you think to yourself, I've scored three goals against them in five games, so you just naturally go at thinking that you're going to score against them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... No, as a manager, I think you, you do it on who's playing well and who's training well and things like that. But as a player, certainly, like when I was playing against teams, I definitely. 
You might have fancied there's, it. There was something like, I've actually thought that a few times. Mm. There was a few clubs that I scored a few goals against and I was like, like, it was always in my head, oh, I'm a big couple of goals on Saturday whereas you should be thinking like that all the time but it's I don't know uh, d- go for form go, go for, for form, form players man, yeah yeah I think the biggest it might have been a surprise it might not is the fact that um, you know you, you've actually got a player in Greg Taylor who has come in for quite a bit of criticism this season I think he's settled down I think the last couple of games he has played particularly well Scott but the big signing the last minute signing as it were in the transfer deadline is effectively someone who would be playing in Greg Taylor's position mm-hmm. um, out wide left we've seen today I think it was that Paddy Roberts is away to Middlesbrough so we can close the door on that everybody else closed the door on that about a year ago but um, I wanted to see Paddy back at Celtic Park isn't it going to happen but we've got Laxalt and I think throwing a player in sometimes who is totally unaware of the, the fixture we know uh, Celtic's worldwide appeal we've spoken about this derby as being a big derby across the globe but a lot of players you know if you're coming from Uruguay or if you're playing your football in Milan Scottish football is not on your radar mm-hmm. and they might not really have much of a consideration for the fixture you can throw them in and nothing's really going to phase them at that stage you could be playing Aberdeen you could be playing Hibs um, and of course the build up will be that Neil Lennon and his team and fellow players will, will obviously tell them how important the game is but I don't think there's an issue with throwing a player straight in there and I'm, I'm looking to see how um, the other people watching the show think about that you know would you throw someone like Laxalt into the team is that a risk I don't think it is now Sonny A the only thing I'm worried about is Julian uh, Elhamid is faster better on the ball and better distribution and just as solid defensively and only weaker in the air and I think one of Julian's biggest uh, plus points as a player is, is his distribution and I've said this before we've got two ball playing um, centre halves you've got Ayer who loves to bring the ball down go on a run sometimes a, a galloping run as I call them and then distribute it uh, to the forwards Julian sprays the ball over the park and in the middle the pivot is Shane Duffy and uh, he's the guy I think who's instilling a wee bit more of the old fashioned defensive qualities into that, that back line Scott so um, Julien is a concern for me simply because it's his first game in a month and it's a big game to, to throw him into he, he seems to get involved as well and gets himself into stupid positions like just we try to get into a physical battle then he's falling on the ground I think some of his decision making Julien defensively he's, they get me wrong, he's good on the ball everyone, but defensively he does. I think his positional sense is quite poor and the way when he's gone up for heaters and things like that, he gets himself too close to strikers and that and mm. gives away like cheap free kicks if you like. So if he's not played for a month as well and that could go against him just with the sharpness of your brain if you like. Yeah. Especially like if you've got Kent coming at you and Rangers are like running at him. I think that could cause him some problems to be fair. Yeah, definitely. I mean John he's Sweeney. Erratic, eh? He's quite erratic in his defending rank. I think the the big thing for me bringing in Shane Duffy um, and what I've certainly seen with Ayer is that it's kind of settled down a lot of these uh, defensive frailties that uh, perhaps Ayer's had in the past and I think the experience of playing with Duffy is going to do him loads of good Uh, already there's been interest for AC Milan confirmed interest from AC Milan for Ayer I certainly don't want to lose the player because I think he can develop for another season or two at Celtic Park and we can get the the fruits of that labour as well and I think he's actually developing as a defender playing alongside Duffy because he's not a natural defender, Scott. 
we brought him in as a, a midfielder. He'd played earlier in his season, actually up front. And he's developed into a defender, so he's still learning within that role, even though he's played first-team football for a number of years. Now, John Sweeney uh, is saying that Julian needs to start as we are down to the bare bones of defenders. My worry is if Julian or Ayer gets an injury during the game. It is a concern if you want to play with three at the back, John. And again, that'll be another consideration for Neil Lennon. I don't want us to play with four at the back because I, I really do think we need to target their right and left back. Um, if you play it four at the back, it's going to be harder for that to, to happen. And, um, you know, unless it's a, a, an old school 4-3-3 or 4-4-2, can't see us going with three up front. 4-4-2, uh, it's one of these old-fashioned uh, formations, Scott, which was um, the go-to formation back in my day, but it isn't utilised as often as it used to be. Um, do you think that's just because... It's unfashionable. Do you think teams maybe start a certain way, but at certain uh, parts of the game, they actually revert to four four two, depending on how the game's actually going? Uh, it's, it's mere a sitting in formation, if you like, or you can have it if you're pressing and when the ball goes to the wide area. But four four two is mere compact, sitting in, defensive. If, like, but it depends how you play a four four two. You can have it like attacking where you're like you end up pushing on and it's like 4-2-4 four, four and things like that but I think it's because everybody's wanting that extra man in the middle of the park now because it's mm. all the possession nowadays so yeah. it's more or less how do you utilise that extra man and so you'll you'll find that it's all these different formations to get the, extra, the, the foothold in the middle of the park and I think that's where the game will be won actually in the middle of the park That's what's happened in the last couple of fixtures Scott you know um, quite early on I think Stephen Gerrard realised that Celtic were over running Rangers in that area um, but that was reversed and you look at the League Cup final for example where Rangers dominated for the majority of that game Celtic won the game mm-hmm. and then the game at Celtic Park so disappointing um, and again we were a penalty kick away for getting a, a draw there but it was their undoing because Rangers thought they'd won the league in December and uh, you know their season fell off the edge of a cliff after that Celtic got the consistency and played like winners and champions and that's exactly what happened now Joe Porter is telling me that her predicted lineup is Barkas Taylor Frimpong Duffy Ayer Laxalt Moy Brown Calmack Griff Clamalla 4-4-2 just as we were discussing there give Laxalt the freedom of the left wing with Taylor behind him for cover there's an argument to say that we will uh, start with four at the back you know, because if we do get an injury to any of the centre halves, then we really would be struggling at that stage. Um, some more comments coming through, and thanks everybody for getting involved. Scott Graham, your suggested lineup, and you're commenting on YouTube. Uh, for anyone else who's watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, and uh, you will get daily content free of charge. And Scott Graham's lineup is Barkas, Ayer Duffy, and Julian, Taylor Brown, Cal Mackin, and Cham. Frimpong, Luxalt and Griffiths so loads of suggestions coming in, we've even got Kevin Graham who was on the show yesterday saying that uh, IH Decorating has made a great point and that Julien's distribution is often underlooked and not appreciated, I think uh, it's one of the best parts of his game Kevin, he can spray the ball all over that park and um, yeah, perhaps it is underappreciated. Gary Doonan via Facebook, no big concern, beat more or less the same Rangers team twice last year with guys like Griffiths, Edward, Moy, Alhamid all missing. Parts are all of those games, plus our squad is more strong than this time last season. I think it is stronger than last season. And Kevin goes on to say that the more players COVID positive, 
rumour is doing the WhatsApp rounds. Hopefully, that's not true. Yes, we've got to wait, really, don't we, until it's uh, confirmed, Kevin, because the, the WhatsApp rumour mills and the online forum rumour mills would have us um, decimated if four isn't bad enough. At what point, though, can anything be done? I, I think Celtic have released uh, statements through gritty teeth uh, due to their frustration at the fact that it appears as though nothing can be done. If Celtic start withdrawing players, then there will be sanctions uh, that could affect even more players for Saturday or the game itself. So Celtic are having to, to play very safe in that respect. But at what point does it does it get to the stage where you're, you've lost half a dozen first-team players, seven first-team players? I know that um, there is a rule, and someone might be able to check this for me while we're online, that if you've got 13 First team players fit and one of them's a goalkeeper, you play the game, which means you've got a bench full of kids as well. So that would be interesting to get an update on these things. At what point, we're on Tuesday at the moment, and by the way, I don't want the game called off. Absolutely don't. I'm not calling for that. But at what point did a club need to look at this situation um, and then speak to the authorities? It's one of these things that's um, wreaking havoc, Scott, um, not just at top flight football, but also the clubs that you're involved in, you're involved with Haddington Athletic and you're also involved with Portobello and it's the under-15s, isn't it? The, the mm. 06s. So you've got a, a good scope of um, the football pyramid, as it were, right down to the youth football as well. How's it affecting Haddington and how's it affecting the kids at Portobello at the moment? Well, starting off with the kids, I've just brought out a new, a new rule that it's a NHS postcode. So we've got a kid that was uh, staying in Falkirk, so he's not allowed to train or play in any games. Now, I, I get the severity of him, but I understand they're isolating them. But you're trying to isolate people physically to stop it from spreading, mm-hmm. but you're isolating the kids mentally, yep. which is a, a dangerous road to go down. So he's already... That lad, he's already... And there's loads of them all over Scotland, but they, these kids have already... Missed a lot of football, sat in the house, <coughs> excuse me, um, I've already missed a lot of football, sitting in the house, like the mental well-being of them, to then come back, uh, we've done a lot of things ourselves to try and keep the kids engaged and everything through, like sending in training, like routines that they've been doing and we've been sharing them on Twitter and things like that just to keep them motivated and then they've came back, they're playing games. And if you're a kid, you just now think that's life back to normal if that's what you want to do and then to just say to one of them, you're not allowed to go with your teammates or you're not allowed to play football anymore because you stay an extra 10 minutes away from somewhere. And I can't see in the grand scheme of things how that one laddie coming in the car with his dad coming and they're not in any changing rooms or anything and we're all COVID compliant, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, just going on to... And they're saying that's a minimal risk with the kids on the football field. So I, I don't know how isolating them... Because I think you're isolating them mentally, which is a massive thing. Um, Huge, and then with the Haddington side, of it, like you've you've got, <coughs> you're, you're again you're not allowed in any changing rooms or anything. So like the, we've got a game tonight, I can hear the rain um, above us. So they're just going to have to jump their cars and that. And there's some teams that have pulled out because they didn't want to go through that. Myself, I would go through it. I'd just go home and if I'm drenched, I'll be soaking because I love football that much. But I understand why people wouldn't want to do it as well because they might catch like, it's a livelihood in that as well like, yeah. so if they're catching a the corner and not getting paid and things like that I don't know but um, ah, it's, it's wreaking havoc everywhere 
It's wreaking havoc. We've we've heard of clubs. Um, was it Ock and Lake Talbot? We were talking about Coming before. Juniors, right? Yeah, There's fourteen for the same level as us for the west of Scotland have pulled it. Mm-hmm. So they're not playing at all this season. Um, so they're actually doing that to protect the the actual club, the right. future of the club, because if they play is it one game, mm. they're then the, the players are getting paid and and, and obviously they're at the, the chance of actually they're at the mercy of losing loads of money. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if they make that decision that you know what we're not going to go through this season, they might lose some money, but they don't have the overheads, did it, mm-hmm. uh, to go through that season, and they might be able to resume. Next again, yeah. Next, next again, year, Scott, and that's, it's frustrating. That's a, that's a big risk, is it? Like mm. get fans that lose interest as yeah. well with your local community club. So, um, I don't know if I would have, but I understand what they're doing if, like, if they've not got the money to sustain it because it's killing clubs. And we've heard uh, this morning reports from Sky Sports that eleven clubs have confirmed that they are teetering on the edge of administration in English football. Eleven clubs in English football are facing down the, the barrel of a gun during the, the process of having no fans at games. So it is, on a daily basis, um, throwing up more and more uh, concerns, uh, not just for football, but obviously in, in the wider aspect of day-to-day life. Now, uh, Kevin Barry, 67, says that Lenny having a bounce game to get players' fitness and March sharpness shows he is going to set up to win, regardless of who's on the pitch. It's one of these things, and I think it was Joe that said earlier on, Celtic do have a, a really strong squad, and even with four players missing, um, as well as your James Forrest, maybe Mikey Johnson, I think, is also still missing. Um, so you've got half a dozen uh, first-team players missing from that squad. We can still put a team out there at the moment that I would be very confident in winning that game. Um, but again, we are only on, on the Tuesday. Sean McCrory 8, welcome back to the show, Sean. You are commenting via Twitter and you're calling for a Laxalt debut. I agree with that. Roger could be a surprise addition, scored against them home, away and Hamden. They certainly wouldn't be expecting Roger to start, would they, Sean? But uh, I think we'll certainly see an appearance at some stage. And Gary Doonan reminds us that Paul Wilson always done well against Rangers and Jackie Mack against Hibs uh, always did the business. There are certain players who seem to do well against certain teams and um, Ken Walsh welcome back Ken great to hear from you uh, from over an island and you are saying that we need to unleash Laxalt I I would be very surprised if we don't um, if we don't actually start Laxalt after him coming in as the big name uh, signing that uh, was called the cheap shop the cheap option by Charlie Nicholas and Charlie's come back out again today, Scott, to say that he stands by his view and that he won't be a media sheep. I don't think it was anything to do with being a media sheep. It's just his facts were totally incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we go. Uh, Kevin Graham is asking everybody to click the thumbs up for the show. Yeah, all you have to do is give us a thumbs up button because there's always a few people out there potentially not Celtic fans who give us the thumbs down, which isn't nice to see, but I'm sure you can outnumber them. Uh, we're looking ahead to Saturday's game. Did I get a prediction off you, Scott? 2-1 Celtic. 2-1 Celtic. And the big questions have been who starts up front for Celtic. If, indeed, we have the players that we have on Tuesday, uh, come the actual match day, who starts at centre-half? Does uh, Julien get thrown right in? We've currently got a COVID-4. It's 10 months since we last met. 
Rangers. We've been talking to Scott, who's got a good insight into Hibs, and um, he reckons that perhaps you'll be going for a cup. Now, when you look down the years, Scott, at, at Hibs, I always think of Hibs as, I don't know, quite a trendy club in terms of uh, the fan base. Uh, we look back on ultra culture, we look back on terrace culture. Hibs have always kind of been at the forefront of that and they had, um, you know, the casual movement as well back in the 80s. Is that something that still exists at Easter Road in normal times? I'd be like to say, to be honest with you, but I'd, I'd, is that no, the whole thing of that, no dying of death now, just with the, the way the police have got on top of it, with the CCTV and everything. Mm. Maybe, you maybe hear some of them like jumping about, but I don't think it's as prevalent as it was in the 80s and the early 90s and that. Do you think there'll come a point where it gets steered more towards ultra culture so that people are interested in being part of a, an ultra movement which doesn't bring in any kind of the flack that came with the casual movement? Now, there was loads of things to be admired actually with the casual movement, but one thing obviously um, was the violence that we didn't want to see at football parks and in the surrounding areas. Do you think we're moving towards um, the... The groups of people still wanting to belong to a group uh, of football fans and what goes with that is the fashion and the music and the joint interest mm-hmm. and that togetherness, but stripping away the kind of violence and the hooliganism so they become ultras. And the ultra scene often um, means that they are supporting other movements as well, sometimes political. Um, so you've still got maybe a mindset of people trying to have form smaller groups within fan bases, like-minded people, but it's not for a rock on a Saturday afternoon, yeah. it's more um, to have some kind of ultra scene. Do you think we're moving towards that? Or even create a scene that just creates an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Let's get a, a group that does that, because sometimes you can go to Easter Road and it's, it's, not, it's really quiet, like, I'm say, like I said before, it's alright when the bigger teams come, but if we're playing the lesser teams, there's no away fans. It's, so if we can create a scene that creates an atmosphere, I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. definitely. And there will be no atmosphere um, at Celtic Park on Saturday, but there will certainly be an atmosphere here at State of Mind Studios. We will be um, going live at 12 o'clock, half an hour before the game kicks off. We'll be joining you again at halftime and then for half an hour after. So we will be discussing all the talking points. If the game goes ahead, I'm pretty sure it will, Scott. Even if Celtic only have 13 uh, fit players, I'm sure the game will go ahead. It's been an absolute pleasure for everybody uh, coming on to the, the broadcast. We do this every day at 12.30. It was slightly later yesterday uh, because our pundit wasn't in the studio and we had to set something up technically, uh, which was beyond my capabilities for an hour. So we will be here again 12.30 tomorrow. Please also join us at 2 o'clock. We will be joined by Johnny Owen, who's an actor, a musician, a DJ, a director, uh, not only of films, but a director of football clubs. Um, he's a great guy and he has a Celtic state of mind. So join us at two o'clock tomorrow and ask him a few questions because we'll put it out live. Uh, but all that's left for me to say, Scott Bonner, thanks for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. Cheers, a pleasure.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.